Hi, my name is Molly Schulte Tucker, and I have the privilege of pastoring the good people of Ridgewood Baptist Church in Louisville, Kentucky. Welcome to the season of Epiphany, the time between the 12 days of Christmas and the beginning of Lent, which takes us to Easter Sunday. In this time period in January and February, we learn about the ministry of Jesus and the light that he brings into the world. At Ridgewood, we are in a worship series called The Stories of Jesus, named in part from the song called Tell Me the Stories of Jesus, a hymn that you may have grown up on or may be new to you. I shared my favorite story of Jesus on Sunday, January 14th, but then I need your help. Between when you are hearing this and February 11th of 2024, tell me your favorite story of Jesus. Tell me why is it your favorite? What challenges you? Where do you see yourself? How does it give you hope? How does it give you pause? I'd love to hear from you either on our Facebook page through Facebook Messenger, which is facebook.com slash Ridgewood Baptist Church, or by email. My email is molly, M-O-L-L-Y, at ridgewoodlouisville.org, or on a Sunday morning before or after worship. What story of Jesus have you written on your heart? Ridgewood, I feel like first and foremost, I owe you an apology because a lot of the illustrations I've used in the last couple of years that we've been together have been from Disney or Pixar movies. And I am aware of this, and there is absolutely no way it's going to be fixed anytime soon. If you knew the, the movie cue in my house... And to be fair, there's also a large part of me that thinks if we actually took what we learned from Pixar and Disney movies and maybe had a little bit less emphasis on Prince Charming and a little bit more emphasis on female empowerment, we would all be better people for it, right? But today, I want to introduce you or at least reacquaint you with one of my most favorite characters of all time. His name is Mater. As he describes it, it's like Tuh Mater without the Tuh. <laughs> Mater is a rusty, always up for fun, hoodless tow truck that we meet in the movie Cars. Mater has a lot of really great one-liners that admittedly my husband and I say to each other even out of earshot of our toddler. Mater is a stranger to no one, a friend to everyone, and although his paint wore off years ago, he deemed himself best buds with Lightning McQueen, the perfectly polished cherry red race car rookie champion. Mater is voiced by Larry the Cable Guy if you know who that is. A self-described redneck comedian 
whose jokes from about 20 years ago may not sit the same way today as they did a few years ago. But as the voice of Mater, Larry the Cable Guy lent a gentle sense of humor, oceans of grace, and a heart bigger than the tractors that they would go tipping. It's kind of like cow tipping, but it's tractor tipping because it's cars, you know. In a recent interview, Larry the Cable Guy revealed just how much Pixar means to him. He talked about how he got the call to voice Mater and his world changed. He went in for his initial script reading. He talks about how the script was this thick. (laughs) And the very first line he said, he said the casting director knew immediately it was the right choice for the part. And as everyone loosened up as they kept reading, the director kept laughing. And the character that they had written and the voice that Larry gave him seemed like a match made in Pixar heaven. So Larry, the cable guy, he talked in the interview about going home and waiting to be called back to read. And he waited. And he waited. He waited a few months that turned into five months, six months, seven months. Eight months, nine months, that's not typically how things go in Hollywood once you've been cast. But finally, he got the call to come back to the studios. And when he did, he had discovered that it was because the writers had gone back to the writing desk. And they rewrote the entire movie. So Larry, or Mater, would have a bigger part. He was just barely a side character, but if you've seen Cars, you know that he is the heart of the movie. They decided that this character needed to be a larger part. But here's the thing. Mater was not the star of the movie. That's Lightning McQueen, right? The stuck-up race car who got stuck in a little tiny town somewhere around Route 66. But with a friend like Mater, with a character of love and grace and acceptance, even with a little rust, Lightning McQueen didn't just become a better racing car, he became a better person or a better car. And if you've ever seen the movie Cars, you cannot imagine that movie without Mater. Can you? In the entire 66-book canon that we call the Bible, only four of those books give us stories about the life of Jesus back to back. The person who we have named ourselves after as Christians, the person who we still follow and try to imitate, even when our sense of spirituality runs dry, we still have this person, this story, this example, this prophet and priest, this king and servant, this friend that has shown us how to live and interact with one another 
Jesus is our main character, right? He has shown us what God looks like in human form, how God would act on this earth. But the stories of Jesus are far and few between when Jesus is isolated or alone or by himself. There are a few where he's praying by himself, having some alone time. But most of the stories that we read and discover the spirit of Christ through is when Jesus is directly interacting with other people. Those secondary characters show us a lot about who Jesus is. Doesn't matter their education level, their economic level, their faith level, their relationship status. These other characters, big or small parts, help illuminate how God loves us. So if we were to take some of our favorite stories, some of our stories that we knew long, long ago that maybe we were taught early in our lives or maybe ones we've just noticed or picked up recently, I don't know if you know this, but scripture is not a trivia game. You do not have to have it all in your brain at once. That's why we have Bibles, so we can keep referring to stories over and over again. Sometimes ones we forget, it's okay to forget. But if we were to take some of those stories and realize what each one of them taught us about God, I think in the end we could sew together this beautiful tapestry or, or quilt that would tell us about the heart of God from many different character angles. Maybe like Mater's angle, and then maybe Miss Sally's angle, maybe Flo or Luigi. Those are from Cars. So for this sermon series, all that to lead up to say, I need your help. I need your help. Today I'm going to share with you my favorite story of Jesus. And it changes. So this has been my favorite for a few years now, and I'll explain why. But I want to know what your favorite stories of Jesus are. Hollis shared some earlier. Pastor Hollis shared her favorites were in the parables. I want to know, what are your favorites? Or are you still discovering your favorites? Would, would you tell me? Would you send me an email? Send me a text? Tell me as we're going through passing of the peace, before worship, after worship, sometime during the week, tell me what your favorite story of Jesus is. Because a little counter to how I do things, we haven't planned the rest of the, of the weeks of this series. I want to hear what your favorite stories are so we can talk about them here. Deal? All right, let me know. Ball's in your court. One of the very first stories I think I ever remember hearing about Jesus, and maybe it's because I can also imagine the picture on my Sunday school classroom wall was the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman at the well. And like many stories of the Bible, it's one that as I grew up and became an adult, I picked up different pieces that I might not have picked up when I was little. Meaning I had different understandings of the social implications of what this story meant, of who this woman was, different things that the water symbolized, 
if the water was really the point of the story or if the conversation was. Here's the thing. In 2024, it's really not difficult to know about people's relationship history. We have Facebook that takes us back to embarrassing things from 10, 15, 20 years ago. But in AD 30, it was probably weird for this Samaritan woman to be told about her relationship history. But still, not the point. If we put aside the surprise of Jesus's, she calls it prophet powers, uh, psychic powers, if you will, usually we then come to wrestle with this woman's past. Five husbands? Oh, well, we all have something in our past. We could build a sermon off of that, but we won't today. And then there's the way that she runs back into town and tells everyone that she thinks that she has found the Messiah and beckons them to come meet him. We could build a sermon off of that excited discipleship, but we won't today. What has stuck with me in my recent years actually starts in verse 7, and it's just verse 7 and 8. Here's what it says. It says, A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. Verse 8. His disciples had gone to the city to buy food. You didn't see that one coming, did you? So let's take ourselves out of kind of the spiritual mumbo-jumbo of what's going on with this woman and Jesus and recognize when we're setting the scene that it is only Jesus and this woman. Jesus' disciples have left. They have gone to the city to find food for all of them. Jesus could have gone with them, but he decides to stay here in the heat of the day, perhaps knowing what is about to happen. Jesus had recruited these 12 disciples. Remember, he went and called each one of them. He recruited each one of them, and he is hoping to teach them individually how to carry on the mission of God in the world so they could see him do it in his lifetime and know how to continue that after his lifetime. But they are away at the moment. So Jesus could have napped. He could have gone somewhere else, but he stays with this woman. He approaches her, this woman who has intentionally left the house in the middle of the day, the hottest part of the day, and he speaks to her. Now skip to verse 27, if you will. It says this. Then the disciples came back. They were astonished that he was speaking with a woman, but no one said, what do you want or why are you speaking with her? They didn't say it, but they probably thought it. (laughs) Why are you talking to her? So I want to share something quite personal with you for a moment. Um, And he knows this, but my husband is the most annoying person to grocery shop with. He is an extrovert. Okay, and, I, and he knows this. I tell him this often. He is the most annoying grocery shopping partner because he is an extrovert. 
And um, early on when we were dating in, in our relationship way back when, we would go into the grocery together or, you know, I don't know where else we went, Target or Dollar Tree or what have you. And I have one of those husbands that actually really engages in conversation with the cashiers. Okay, he is an extrovert. If you didn't know this about me, I'm actually an introvert. Okay, I function, I know everyone... I function well in extrovert spaces, but I love naps. I have a set bedtime, and I'm highly addicted to caffeine, okay? But I am an introvert. So when we started going into stores together, and we'd be checking out at Kroger, and Rob would, you know, be painting, he would say, how's your day going so far to the cashier? And I mean, I just, I just about melted inside, and he continues to do that. Talking to someone, you know, on a Sunday night, did you have a good weekend? <laughs> like, Rob, we are just trying to buy eggs. Like, we don't have to talk to everyone. Whether he is on the clock or off the clock, <sighs> my extroverted husband interacts with people sincerely and genuinely. And honestly, early on, it was annoying but it challenged me to be better. That is the last time probably ever I'm going to even compare my husband remotely with Jesus, okay? So like, this never happened, all right? This never happened. You know, Jesus didn't act, interact with people just to set an example for others. If he would have done that, the disciples would have had to stay there. But the reason this is one of my favorite stories is because Jesus interacted with people because that's just who he was. That's who God is. Because Jesus, or God, genuinely wanted others to know the care and love of the divine and experience what that love looked like through a human being. Making way for, yes, crucifixion and resurrection, but also for the important work continued by the church. That we may also know and share the love of God, not just because we're setting examples for others, not just because we're trying to show off to the world how we're loving others, not just because we're doing things to be morally correct, but because, introvert or extrovert, our desire is that others may know a place, a community, where they are loved and accepted and celebrated just as they are. Our desire to grow a community isn't so there are more heinies in pews or more money in the offering plate. Our desire to grow community comes from a sense of belonging that we want others to experience too. It's a sense of identity that is found in love and wild inclusion that we can't wait for others to be a part of. This story of Jesus shows us that Jesus was not just a teacher or a preacher, 
but that Jesus desired that each of us find a sense that we belong, both in front of and behind the camera, both in front of the disciples and without them, that by knowing who we are and whose we are, we might be able to share a light with others so they may know what it is like to be seen, to be known, to be found, to be loved. Whether you are feeling like a cherry red race car or you're feeling a little rusty, like Mater, there's a place for you. Jesus knows who you are. Jesus knows what you've been through. Jesus knows where you are currently struggling, but invites you not to share these burdens alone. You are not meant to do this life alone. So I feel like the second Sunday, and we're not in the first Sunday of January, the second Sunday into January, I want to say this. I want to remind you that there are ways in this community to plug in with the lives of others so you don't have to do this alone, so you can have a sense of belonging with others. I want to remind you of this. I thought I had some youth in the room. Where are they? I see, I see one in the back. All right, Bryson and Jackson are somewhere in here. Hello, hi, yes, wave to me, hello. Youth, or if you know, middle schoolers, high schoolers, you have a place to belong. Did you know that? You have youth group. Thank you, Jackson, give me a thumbs up. Youth group, there's Bryson. <laughs> 9.45 Sunday mornings. If you know of a youth in your life, in your neighborhood, whatever it is, there's a place to belong. It's hard to be a teenager, right? It's hard to be a middle schooler or a high schooler. Come here. Find community here that is safe and accepting and loving. There are some amazing volunteers that work with our youth each week. Bring them here. If you're not a youth, you might identify as a youth, but if you're not a youth, if you're a young adult, adult, remember at 945 on Sunday mornings in the couch room, that's the room with the couches, it's hard, Dr. Bill teaches Bible study. There's good conversation around that. Dr. Bill sometimes even speaks in Greek. Hebrew, more languages, I'm not sure, right? That's good enough, okay. <laughs> good conversation around scripture, around how it applies to our lives. Tuesday night, we have a small group that meets in the foyer room, sometimes on Zoom if weather gets weird, I think. Plug in there. On Wednesday nights during Lent, can you make a plan? I'll even make it easy for you. This year, Lent begins on Valentine's Day which is February 14th. Don't plan a date out. Plan a date at Ash Wednesday, all right? We have Ash Wednesday service here. The next five weeks after that, we're going to have programming that is to get to know each other. It's to learn in community too, but it's also to build community, to grow and learn together. Plan to be here on Wednesday nights during Lent. Would you? Would you do that? I have a spidey sense, maybe it's a pastor sense, a spidey sense that we might be also on the verge of starting another small group, kind of a life group just to sort of walk through life together um, in addition to our Tuesday night group. If you are interested in being part of the start of a new group, would you let me know? Some folks like to be with a group from the beginning and from the get-go. Some like to join one that's already existing. If you would like to be part of a start 
Would you let me know? I'm, I'm, again, spidey sensing we might have enough folks to make another one up. You are not meant to do this life alone. The stories of Jesus show us that. Genuinely, from our core, we are meant to be together. Amen.